Thanks for joining me today. I'd like to invite you to visit my website, johnburney.org, where you can join my mailing list, access video, audio, and written teachings, sign up for online satsangs and retreats, as well as find the schedule for my public gatherings. When, um, when I was young and starting out on the sort of my journey, so to speak, my inner journey, um, <clears throat> there was something that I heard that really was quite useful. And uh, I was mentioning it recently at a talk, and it was um, when you don't get what you want, you get a learning experience. And... Um, I think sometimes it's, you know, you get tired of having learning experiences. <laughs> I got one recently when I um, was on vacation in Hawaii, and I was really looking forward to this vacation for a couple of years, and the second night, uh, I broke my foot, which wasn't what I planned, and uh, caused all kinds of challenges and difficulties, but... Eventually, when I was settled down and just recuperating and enjoying the ocean, uh, I asked myself the question, you know, is there something, if there was something that I could have learned, maybe would have happened? You know, that kind of a question. Like, what, is there something I, was there something I needed to learn from this, right? And um, the first thing that occurred to me was that I've always had much more energy even since I was little, then this body could handle. So naturally, I would push, you know? I put out more effort than, than was required, but that felt natural, that felt normal for me until I would injure myself or have, you know, whatever would happen. So that's what I thought it was. I thought it had something to do with that I was basically kind of pushy. <laughs> so... Um, I can see that the heat is, is not, doesn't go well with humor. So <laughs> we'll make sure if I do comedy next time, we'll have air conditioning. <laughs> it's like it's too hot to laugh. Um, <clears throat> but then I was back in San Francisco, you know, negotiating 31 steps to my apartment and, and all of that, and I was walking into my bedroom and my boot hit a cabinet going into my bedroom and the bird's enjoying it. <laughs> and I immediately knew why I had the accident and it wasn't what I thought. What I exclaimed when my foot hit the cabinet was, I didn't see it. And then I realized, oh, I forgot I have compromised vision or have a damaged retina in my left eye and I don't see my feet. My peripheral vision is limited. And I thought that's why when I was in Hanalei in Kauai and at the grocery store getting a bag of ice to put into the cooler in the car before we were going to dinner, I didn't see that my foot wasn't going to step, my left foot, which was sandaled, was, 
wasn't going to step on level ground, which I thought it was at that point, but the way they had the parking barricades was weird. And there was, my foot stepped on a triangular cement, you know, parking barricade on the top and then sharply bent to the left and I heard a crack. Anyway, you know, at the restaurant passing out and, you know, emergency people carrying me out, um, all of it. Anyway, um, <laughs> and I realized I didn't see it. So the lesson I realized that I had to learn in a new way was something that I had heard since before nursery school, which is watch your step, literally. And I thought, and so now I'm calling it my lucky break. Because, you know, it's one thing to break your foot and be inconvenienced for a month or whatever. It's another thing to have something really serious happen and, and have much more serious consequences. So I thought, oh, wow, this is like a wake-up call, right? I mean, you can be really awake and present and realize everything, but still, you got a body. You still have to eat and make a living and all of it and find out how to be in the world and survive unless you're, you know, lucky enough to not have to worry about those things. Some people are fortunate that way. Um, and I realized, you know, it's not so easy to remember when you're someone who likes to get stuff done and is busy and all over the place, like I usually am, to actually remember to have my vision slightly averted down when I'm moving around to make sure I don't trip, hit something, you know, that kind of thing. And as we get older, we become more vulnerable, more fragile, more at risk, and it's even more important. So I thought, oh, okay. I don't like the lesson. I don't like the fact that um, the vacation that I really needed and was looking forward to for a couple of years, you know, went from a blissful dream to a horrific nightmare like that. But, you know, actually, ultimately, I did really enjoy what I could certainly, and was lucky enough to be in a place that was extraordinarily beautiful and nurturing and healing, and uh, had wonderful support, so I was, wasn't, you know, isolated in that sense, even though we were very remote where we were on the island. Um, and I feel pretty good, actually. Great. Better than ever, really. So, and healing... Very, very well, I'm glad to say. I think, I hope. That's what the podiatrist said anyway. So we'll see when I see him next week and he lets me know whether I can free my foot from its enclosure. Anyway, I'm glad to be with you and I know that, you know, we're all on our own, in some ways, very unique path of learning and discovery. And often, 
we're so preoccupied with what we have to take care of that we can't really watch our step. You know, we're too busy getting stuff done, handling stuff, thinking about what needs to be handled, and so forth. It's not like we can just be in a easily, um, you know, a blissful, interconnected presence when we're not getting what we want. We're getting another learning experience that we don't want to have or have to problem solve in ways that we didn't even know we had a problem solve. Didn't even know it was a problem until it became obvious that, wait a minute, wait a minute. So we do ultimately get forced, like I was, to stop. Like, seriously stop. (laughs) Where for the first couple of days there was no weight bearing because I couldn't wear a boot. And so I had to carry my body around with crutches and couldn't do anything. Virtually nothing. And had to get upstairs, which was terrifying and almost impossible. But I did. And... Fortunately, I didn't break my neck, God forbid, in the process. <laughs> but it... Jeez. <laughs> anyway. Um, I can say honestly through every trauma I've been through and unexpected circumstances I've had to endure and, and go through that Every time, because of this perspective that we're here for today, the reason we're here today, to cultivate awakened consciousness and have it be available for our life, whatever our life is, whatever our conditions are, that I can honestly tell you that that has been there for me every single time in a way quite frankly, that I'm not sure I could have gotten through some of those experiences put together in the way that I am and actually grow and evolve even with those profound losses and extraordinarily difficult times, right? So we really are transformed by the challenges that we end up having to overcome. We want to avoid them because we like to be comfortable and have a good time. And why would we want to come here today when it's 80 degrees at the beach (laughs) and sit in a hot room and whatever? But, you know, for those of us that finally discovered that we didn't have a choice, then we begin to realize what is our priority? What is this life about? And you know, when people come to me and they often, what's underneath, you know, when they're starting out usually is, what's the point? Is it just 
winning? Is it just getting what you want? Getting ahead of the pack? Is it surviving? Which it often is, really. I'd say for probably most of the planet, most of the most of humans, it's surviving and not even quite. Right? I see these people that my heart breaks for in shoddy tents under the freeway, in hanging out. And I just want to pull over and visit sometimes and find out what's your story? How, how did you get here? What's your life like? You know? Boy. Talk about a hard life. But we take for granted that we can walk until we can't. We can take for granted that we can see until we can't. We take for granted everything that we take for granted until it's taken away. Our money, our health, our relationships, whatever. Our home. So there is a lot of challenge and difficulty that can happen in one's life and does. And I hear about it all the time. All the time. All over the world. Because I work with people all over. And it's heartbreaking. And yet, the saving grace is what's deep, deep within you that's being cultivated by being here, by your intention to awaken and find freedom or enlightenment, whatever you want to call it, healing, happiness, freedom. And that ends up being a gift to not only you, but everyone around you. And ultimately it is the space that we are truly at peace in. And where we can truly trust life, even with its horrific circumstances that can happen. That we go beyond our story. We go beyond our identity. And we move into the integrated realm of our hum human oneness. And, you know, it's just filled with love. I mean, it's filled with all the other stuff, too. Reactivity and missed exits on the freeway, <laughs> which we did this morning. <laughs> Shit, where are we? <laughs> Try to do that down in the South Bay, and you can really end up in the wrong place <laughs> and not know where you are. <laughs> Anyway, it's good to feel you and connect with you here, and I'm glad you could make it. Glad we could share the space together. And it's a beautiful, rich field when you find yourself not in the way. And that's just the space of 
joy and it's a relief to just open, isn't it? And when you're not open and you're like, uh, in the sort of mm, something, the resistance, the grasping, the longing, the unsettledness, it's no surprise that we want to distract ourselves with everything that we distract ourselves. It's not surprised that we want to, you know, medicate ourselves so that we feel better. Totally get it. Why not? <laughs> Whatever works. When people come to me and they say, you know, I'm a heroin addict, I'll go, I get it. Or I tried to kill myself. I get it. I'm surprised there aren't more people quite frankly, how much can we put up with? How much can we endure? I mean, I was there at 16, believe it or not, and it led me to the discovery of what this is. I didn't know what it was then, but it certainly changed my whole life and direction, and still is, and it is for you too, actually. See, that helped. You know, the acknowledgement of that is important because it helps some part of you give up the false fight with what is. Because you know what? You can't really fight it. It's not that you surrender and give up, but you surrender and stop pushing. Even my dad, who passed away, I don't know how many years ago now, uh, 14 years ago, you know, who was a true mountain man. I mean, someone said they broke the mold after him, and he was, he was, he made macho look wimpy. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I used to be afraid when he'd hug me that he would break my ribs, because he could. I mean, I mean it. And he was very loving and very affectionate. But even he used to say to me, believe it or not, when I'd go out bicycling, you know, take it easy. Because he knew that I pushed. But I didn't get that message. When he told me that, I thought, oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't listen to him. Not until I, until he and I finally had a breakthrough after I was 45. That's how long it took. So you never know when the miracles are going to happen. You just don't. But keep lighting the fire of your inspiration. And keep remembering that that's important to you. Because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to be on your retreat or be at a satsang or whatever and just be on automatic pilot and wondering why you're there. Right? And it's not so easy to remember, to remind yourself that this moment right now is an opportunity, is actually brand new.
And when you really get that, all the barriers dissolve. All the protections and identities and all of it that are what you call yourself just evaporate. And there aren't any more words about it. That's why I don't even like to talk about it, believe it or not. I never think about it, which my business advisors are not happy about. What did somebody say to me the other day in a meeting? He says, you have the no teaching teaching. <laughs> People want the teaching. They want the information. And I do have it, actually, believe it or not. So now I'm having to reverse engineer my life and my experience and break it down. <laughs> and how do you meditate? How do you actually learn to be mindful? How do you find your practice, not, you know, Billy Bingo's practice or Sally Smith's practice? How do you find your practice? How do you find your teaching? Not John Bernie's teaching or someone else's teaching. Well, so-and-so said, and you're saying this, and then. What's your teaching? What are you learning now? I don't mean learning like you're memorizing, you know, times tables for arithmetic, even though maybe you are learning at that level right now. Like, okay, I have to remember to follow my breath. I have to remember to watch my step. I have to remember to feel what I'm feeling, to actually listen without glomming all my projections onto what someone's saying to me. So I can actually feel them and not put up a wall between us. So I can maybe start to experience the heart connection and intimacy that I have been starving for my whole life. Because I hear that a lot. Even though somebody has access to presence, how does that give you access to being a human being in a way that will actually fulfill you and others in your relationships? Not just put you in a transcended mountaintop above everybody else because you're grooving in samadhi or high on whatever your thing is that you like to get high on. So these are like mirrors for our life. Our experience that's happening every moment if you want to give yourself that feedback is, wow, what, what is this showing me right now? It can get tiring to be a student. And sometimes you just do have to check out. Sometimes you do just have to get distracted and forget about it. 
then give yourself a break. Then give yourself permission to be completely an unconscious, reactive, programmed, <laughs> whatever. And not beat yourself up about it like you always have to be mindful. You always have to be in presence now that you've discovered the truth. That just becomes another restriction. And you'll find, despite yourself, that it grows and evolves and develops all by itself. That the mystery of life, the evolutionary force, the evolutionary creative force of all life is not only working through you, it is you. And it's so easy to get caught in our little story and our little drama. And our dramas can be pretty damn big and completely, completely overwhelming. I know. I've had countless ones like that. <clears throat> and for a while, you're drowning. And for a while, you're underwater. And you're just trying to get up and get some air. And then you get back up and you get back to ground and you recover and start again. But it's not the same person you were because something was learned. Something evolved, even if you don't know it. That's, the, that's the also really hard to see often, and it's good to have a reality check. And maybe I'll stop talking so you can come up and ask questions today. I don't know. <laughs> It's funny how my mind didn't think I had anything to say today at all. So, so thanks for being the beautiful space of listening that you are, open, available, and the way you are. I always love coming to Santa Cruz. You know, it's something about this space. I don't know. Just brings it right out. So why don't we just sit for a minute or two and then feel free to come up and raise your hand, whatever, and we'll sit together if you have questions, whatever, and we can, we can do a little work together. So this magical, functional, joyous human, um, I suppose that just happens when it wants to happen. Meaning... What do we have? Are we are we responsible for it? Kind of. Do we have a part to play in it? I don't know if that was underneath your question, but I wondered because often people do ask that. Yeah. And I'm not saying you were, but. I um. Hmm. I, I suppose the question is probably around the full embodiment of. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, this, yeah. Because uh, right now, I suppose I feel like I'm I, I'm living a little more of an either or, like I'm either in the delusional world or I'm in kind of this. Um, I wouldn't even say like joyous space, but just expanded state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I don't. Hmm. 
I don't feel as alive as I want to be. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what you need to say. Okay. That's the expression of where you, how you feel. Yeah. I don't feel as alive as I want to. Yeah. Why don't you say that? I don't feel alive as I want to feel. Yeah, and I would say if that's really true for you, you'll feel that as you say it. And when we find, and I'm not saying those are the right words for yeah. you, maybe there's something deeper, but when you find the expression and can express it, yeah, then you'll move more into this field of openness. Yeah. That's how that works. So that's what I call expressive work mm -hmm. that isn't really running the story, but it's more a way, one way, or many, a vehicle to allow the sort of emotional holding that we can get caught into in our identity to begin to be released. Yeah. It needs to be often expressed and allowed with a certain, and it has to resonate that frequency of truth in us. You understand? So mm -hmm. that was that's yours right now. Mm -hmm. This is important work that we're talking about right here. What's your name? Marissa. Marissa. Nice to see you today. <laughs> um, this is important because you're very present. You're tuned in. I feel it. It's obvious. And this is the this is the part of working with what I you know the this is coming back to the marketplace. This is <clears throat> very much essential in what you are asking, full embodiment. So this is really important because the embodiment, the full embodiment is really, um, it does happen automatically. But it happens through what I call human work. How do we work with the body, the sensations? How do we work with the tensions in our body, the emotional stuff, the belief structures? All of that's going to come into a brighter illumination once we access awakened consciousness. And it often is what I call and have in the past the rude awakening that follows the awakening. People say, oh, well, I thought now that I've had this awakening, it was all going to be just groovy. And I was going to be on a permanent high. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that's usually not how it plays. Mm -mm. It's usually more that you become more aware of your dark side. Yep. More irritated by your conditioning and maybe even other people that you don't want to be around anymore because you thought, well, how can I, how am I around these people? How have I managed to stay th in this situation? Like all of a sudden it's like, oh God, do I really want to become more aware? What am I going to discover next? I mean, I just had somebody saying to me yesterday, I'm afraid of what may be under the surface of my consciousness that I don't really want to feel or know mm. about myself. Yeah. <laughs> So you have to be willing. It's a, this is like, you know, once you start this journey, and I don't know if there's any choice about that because I really don't think there is. Let's just say you, you got to hang in there. Yeah. In fact, not only do you have to hang in there, you're going to be forced to hang in there. Mm -hmm. You just are. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I've been living it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. sometimes I wish it was my destiny to be the, the mountain lady, but I don't. I don't think it is. I think I'm supposed to be integrated in yeah. people. And, I, and, and, we, and the truth is that you are going to be, you are and will continue to be, and we all are, including me, forced to face things in ourselves that are still 
let's just say, not enlightened. Yeah. And I don't think, quite frankly, our human nature becomes fully enlightened. I just don't. <laughs> I've just known too many people who are enlightened and been close to some, a lot of radiant people where, you know what? They're still limited human beings on various levels, of course. And some of them are really wonderful people that you really can get along with and others aren't. Yeah. You know, there's a wide range, but it's not like your personality is going to go through some kind of like, you know, bleaching process. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the stains are going to get out. That's actually really helpful for me to hear. Because you know, this I, is, I, I, it is. Yeah. This uh -huh. is one of the most important messages that I get feedback about from people all over the world that that's one of the things that actually is helpful for them to know because they think they're supposed to become, you know, Miss Perfection, Mr. Perfection. Or not so reactive. Yeah, or whatever. Or yeah. that the fact that they're not means that what they've been learning and how they've been transforming is somehow in question. Mm -hmm. And that's another way that we beat ourselves up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the thing that really works on our human work is... Patience, forgiveness, compassion, and understanding. Yeah. And that we don't have to be a perfect human being yeah. to find love. We don't have to be a perfect human being to find peace. We do yeah. not. Yeah. We have to be honest. Yes. Yeah. That's all. And you know, and yeah. tell the truth, which you are, hmm. Marissa, and you did it beautifully. Thank you. I want to have more aliveness, or however you said it. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with wanting that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with wanting whatever you want. We have to be willing to, to, to that's important to know that. Yeah. It's not only important to know that it's okay to want what you want, it's also important to know it's okay to get what you want. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, now I have to be the penniless sadhu with a loincloth. <laughs> well, some people believe that. Or some people, yeah. or we used to believe when I was a Zen monk, that if you weren't sitting full lotus with a cosmic mudra in perfect posture, you weren't going to get enlightened. But what so many of those people ended up getting was torn cartilage and knee surgery. <laughs> and I mean it. And yeah, permanent bet. back problems. Mm -hmm. And other things, which for a lot of people who weren't really conditioned to be able to sit like that, was really a huge strain on their structure. Yeah. You know, an, uh, another thing, too, that uh, as we talk is, in, in some respects, the human can, uh, uh, sort of the side effects of the awakening process is there's a part of you that becomes a little bit of a junkie in that uh, my awakening path has made me more compassionate and and a little and more peaceful and a little more chill and not as reactive there and so then the on the human level it's like more 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 like exactly. now i want the really delicious exactly. stuff exactly of course so now it's being very greedy well, like ego, open it up you ego know and humans ultimately by their very, by our very nature are never satisfied okay so where is satisfaction okay where is true satisfaction yeah you see, that's what being aligned and awakened consciousness is really the realm of. That's all. Yeah. Because ultimately, there's always conditions that aren't quite right. Maybe they're good for a while, but then they need an adjustment. Or all of a sudden, something happens that isn't what you expected. I mean, 
you know the stories. You have the stories. You don't need me to tell them. Here's a question that yeah. crops up. Yeah. Um, do you think you're happier than your three-year-old self? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. <laughs> For sure. That's good to know. No, because I just, I just have a memory of that sort of That's that expansiveness funny. and that just like, but of course you're not, you know, you're, you're a kid and you're not like, oh, here well, I, I think, am. In the- I think our three-year-old self, if you're really honest, is still here. Yeah. If you're lucky. That well, you can have that kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed... I want it back in, in many well, then, respects. Then I mean, I don't want her reactiveness, but I want that just like, yay, life! Well, yay, great. yeah. Well, I think you have it. I think I can. I think you are that. It's, it's, you're more complex than that. <laughs> we, we're, we're like a diamond. A diamond yeah. is beautiful because it has so many facets. Yeah. Before you cut a diamond, it doesn't look like that. Right. I don't know what it looks like, but it doesn't look like that. Yeah. Like a gorgeous, beautiful diamond. Yeah. But that's because it's got so many edges that have been cut into it. Yeah. We have so many facets. That's this, what's nothing wrong. We don't want to be monochromatic. We don't want to be monotone. Yeah. Do we want to have one, you know, no color and no flavor in life? Yeah. Hell no. I mean, I, yeah. No, I you ever see Babette's Feast? No, I didn't. Oh, God, it's a great film. Yeah. <clears throat> Homework. Okay. All right. Homework. Let me know how you like it. Okay, sounds <clears throat> good. I won't say any more about it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I'm not saying that's your learning here. But in a way, there's, <laughs> no, a, it's a there's an idea that you have to sort of not have the richness and variety of life. You have to just be very, you know, simple and paired. And for some, and let's, and I know the the beauty of that life when I had it. As a, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful way to be, to yeah. simplify if you are able to, yeah. and have less complexity. But in most people's lives today, that's not so easy to manage. You know, we I, are. Yeah. We naturally have more complexity. I think. I just came back from India from for for two weeks, and uh, I think for a lot of people who've been there, it is it's kind of like oh, I've been it's, there. Yes, yeah, so and and also I spent some time at an ashram. So again, like mm-hmm. when you talk about going from that simplicity to sort of landing in in the Bay Area of all places, it's just like whoa, that's that's just it's a bit jarring. And oh yeah, getting right back into work, it's it's. It's yeah, oh, it's a, a lot. Cult- it's culture shock. We feel that when we come back from Molokai. Yeah, oh, I'll bet. Totally. It's total culture shock to yeah. come back here. Yeah. Well, thanks about for talking about this with me. Thank you for bringing it up. I'm yeah. really glad you brought it up. I think it's a very important discussion to have so people can begin to have a a more realistic, honest perspective about how this really works in, yeah. in the world, in our lives. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you so much. That's what I'm here for, to share that. I mean, you know, I'm sure if I just sold prosperity and enlightenment and nothing else, there would be, you know, 500 people here instead of 12. But, hey, you know, that's okay. (laughs) Or I was asked to do a satsang when I I went to, I was visiting family in Houston. And... um, and of all places. And I, uh, for some reason, there, there was a group there that had 
I don't know, they were a meditation group or had listened to podcasts or something and they hadn't met somebody in person before and so they can you come to our group? And so I did. And there was, you know, 10 people or 12 people or something. And uh, there was a big storm or whatever. But then it turned out this guy, and one guy showed up really late because there was this huge traffic jam around one of these stadiums that's like a mega church with, I don't know, 30,000 people or something. <laughs> and I said, well, what are they preaching there? He said, prosperity. I go, see, that's, I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> but then this one guy who came in who had a really big Bible that he was holding in his lap. And, and after I gave my talk, he said, you're saying the same thing Jesus is. <laughs> he really liked it. I thought, oh, good. I'm glad to hear that we're on the same page. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Okay, so who was... Did you, yeah, why don't you come up? Come on. I'm Betsy. Hi, Betsy. Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I wanted to say, too, that I'm so glad that you come to Santa Cruz Thank because um, I think there's... It's a wonderful thing to see you in person. Thank you. And, um, you know, just a little side note, I moved here from the East Coast four years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of my fear um, came into driving around here. Mm. So this is like, you know, for me, I live about a half an hour south of Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. I mean, not far, <laughs> mm -hmm. but driving myself up here today, which is like the third time I've done it, is like a really big deal because <laughs> mm. okay. it's taken me all that amount of time to sort of integrate that fear into just being able to, you know, do it. Um, mm -hmm. Even though in my, uh, on the East Coast, I... Uh, drove two hours every day to work. It, out here, it's just very different. So anyway, I'm really glad you come down here. Thank you. Um, I just, I wanted to ask you something a little bit that's maybe a little bit more about the body. Sure. You know, because everything is all integrated, which I'm, you know, becoming more and more aware of as, as my life goes on. And um, the beginning of this summer, um, I had a, just like a lot of really unexpected stressors, you know, like an unexpected death, some serious problems with my son, just a lot of stuff um, that was just happening at once. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, I was getting the blessing of, the, of a lot of different input, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of recognizing what things were going on in my body that might be reflecting that, um, encouragement to kind of just put a little bit of a space between my reaction and what was happening. Mm -hmm. So what I, what happened was that, um, I, every time I was, went to sleep and it actually has, um, dissipated quite a bit. Um, I would be like this all night Oh, wow. You know, and then I'd wake up with my fists clenched. Mm. And so, you know, I thought, well, okay, that's probably me wanting to, you know, take hold of these various situations <laughs> and and fix them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. That was, was what felt like it was the case. Mm -hmm. And I have, as I said... Um, you know, seeing how my body kind of reflects what's going on with me and mm -hmm. how there's times when it's really clear I need to just stop and do nothing, and that's usually because my knee goes or something like that. And then, you know, if I just am calm and wait it out, it 
even like this, my, my arms are much better, but I still, particularly in my right hand, I'm still clenching a lot. I mean, I can't even... So, I don't know. I'm just kind well, of th- throwing out no, there I to see... Really, if- I think it's a wonderful, very important uh, subject to talk about. Betsy? Yes. Betsy. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought it up. I think that a lot of... I know myself, a lot of my actual practice, if you will, over my whole life has been very body-oriented. Mm. Very much paying attention to body sensations, tensions, because when you start to meditate or when you start to tune into the deeper energy, blockages in your body become very amplified. Mm. So all of a sudden you feel the stiff neck you didn't know you had. Or you become aware that you're clenching when you don't even know you're clenching. Or you're grabbing onto the steering wheel like it's, you know, like you're hanging on an infinite precipice or something. And, And you could begin to ask yourself questions like, do I need to be holding on so tight? Mm-hmm. Even with your toothbrush. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, so you begin to develop a kind of mindfulness practice in your daily activities where you kind of ask yourself questions like that to begin to notice how are you distributing effort in your body. I was an Alexander teacher for decades and I worked a lot in performing arts and with athletes and musicians and dancers. And so this was my area for a very, very long time after I'd been a monk. It was really felt very much aligned with meditation practice because it very much is a kind of profound discipline of attention in a way. So we begin to learn how to be, or even when I was doing healing work with people and I was getting all their illnesses all the time, it took me about a year to learn. Nobody taught me. I had to figure it out how to become a channel rather than receptacle. Mm. And I find often people tell me when they're working with me, when they're around other people, they start picking up stuff. How do they work, how to work with this? Or they're doing healing work or they're doing, or a therapist and they're getting a lot of the stuff. And so this is really important things to talk about and how to work with and how you begin to work with it will facilitate the deeper connection and the deeper awareness naturally. So that's your sort of, you know, reliable biofeedback mechanism that you can begin to learn from. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's almost like, um, you know, I feel like my, it's almost like my body could be like a barometer. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. No, our our bodies are biofeedback mechanisms constantly. So as we begin to learn how to listen and to respond to what we're sensing and feeling in our body on deeper levels, and often it requires deep relaxation practice where maybe you're just lying in a corpse pose, yoga pose, for instance, on your on the, on the yoga mat where you're just breathing slowly and paying attention to what's going on through your whole body, develop a kind of ability to really just be in the body more energetically, more kinesthetically. Maybe sitting in some postures too much. Maybe it mm-hmm. hurts your back or maybe it hurts, you know, so you begin to work with <clears throat> whatever, wherever you are, instead of trying to push yourself to someplace you think you should be like, you know, more limber, more relaxed. So, and slowly, and I know over time, a lot of the stuff I used to carry in my body dissolved Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. through awareness. Mm -hmm. And when I would get, you know, very, very skilled and tuned in uh, therapists who'd work on me, they were like, wow, I love working on you because, you know, as soon as I put attention, as soon as I start working somewhere, you're right there and things open up. And I've noticed that with people I've worked on who've done a lot of work on themselves, that it's such an incredible pleasure to work with them because it's a kind like they they're already they can bring consciousness to any part of their body with their breathing and their awareness. So you can work with 
you know, a kind of mindfulness practice along with breathing awareness that will help bring more energy and literally chi into those parts of your body. So for instance, before you go to bed at night, if you're finding that you're waking up in the morning with clenched fists, you could actually give yourself a kind of, oh, I don't know, um, instruction for your unconscious, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right to say, gee, I really, and maybe you do a little breathing practice when you're in bed, just watching the movement of your breath and your belly going up and down while you're feeling that, being aware of your hands at the same time so that you can begin to feel the energy and the chi going into there. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. and they may start heating up or getting tingly. Your feet will get tingly like that too. Um, but you'll notice that where you put attention, energy will go there. In some areas in the body, you'll put attention and it's still like dead or it's like a rock, or it's like <clears throat> no, no movement's happening. That's okay, don't push. You can just gently, gently bring awareness there. Just like water brought awareness, if you will, as a metaphor, example, to the Grand Canyon, and eventually eroded it. Mm -hmm. So where we put attention, energy goes there. And then you could do a, an input into your unconscious, saying, gee, may my energy and my awareness stay in my hands tonight mm -hmm. while I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. And so you begin to learn how to breathe awareness and energy into every part of your body. Not as a pushing or trying to get rid of a symptom, right. but more as a way of just bringing more consciousness into the body. Mm -hmm. And this is an essential part of practice, mm -hmm. an essential part of embodiment mm -hmm. that many people haven't trained in and haven't practiced in. Because right. they're hearing now, oh, you don't need to do any of that. You just need to get tuned into the presence and everything will, will be fine. Right. And maybe for some people, that's true. Mm -hmm. But I get a lot of those people afterwards go, mm, you know, it's not quite working for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not enough. Right. So most right. of us have to learn how to really be embodied. And so your symptoms, so to, or what your body's giving you feedback for, are really your teachers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're teaching you how, where to put attention and you are be, you're going to be the one to learn how that's going to work. Right. No one can tell you that. So you trial and error it. Right. You know, it's trial and error. It's not getting it right or wrong. It's just constantly practicing over and over until you get the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, that's how it works. Or as you begin to awaken, eventually at some point, awaken consciousness is your default setting. Mm -hmm. It just is. Mm -hmm. That will naturally happen. Not because you made it happen or because you did 10,000 or 100 million frustrations. Good news. <laughs> or sat 30 years on a cushion facing the wall and not moving with no food. Yeah. <laughs> or what other, other yeah. austerity you thought you need to put yourself through. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe getting us doing austerities does work for some mm -hmm. people for a period mm -hmm. of time. I think it can. So I'm not saying it doesn't. Right. Okay. Well, thank you so you're, much. You're really welcome. Wow, I, I, I think we're out of time, actually. So well, I think we have time for another one more question, probably, if somebody really wanted to come up. That's fine. Um, it was really great to listen to what you had to say and listen to what everybody had to say and be able to really resonate with every single theme that came up in, in one way or another that had a, like a personal connection to me. I also have a 
physical you know, tendency to just go a hundred percent and push myself. And I am, you know, I have like a, a rechargeable back massager that I'm like just putting all over my body like every day, uh, just as like a preemptive wow. managing of what I, does it work? I, yeah, it's great. Send me a link. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love gadgets. I, I bought one and I burned it out. Oh, really? <laughs> so I bought another one. I got another piece of equipment. I'll tell you about later if you're interested. Um, just got me turned on to, yeah. So I really appreciated that. And I mean, everything that was talked about. Um, I had a wake up call that was funny too. I was driving home from Nevada with my wife and our six month old. And I was in um, Pacifica and I came to a red light. I got a notification on my phone and I picked my phone up. I looked at it. It was a text message. I put it back down and I continued to sit at the red light. And to my left, over my left shoulder, a, a bike cop revved his engine and pointed at me and oh, told no. me to pull over. Oh, and no. Oh, I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So oh, no. I pulled over right away and he actually, he gave me kind of a hard time about it. You know, he was like, you know, you're looking at your phone. You got a kid in the back seat. What are you doing? Driving, looking at your phone, you know? And I, um, I didn't really respond to it. I just said, yeah, okay, I get it. And, um, I'm disputing it. Like I wrote to the court to dispute the ticket because I felt like the laws on cell phones were kind of ambiguous, but it was such a great reminder Cause I do get distracted with my phone when I drive that's happened. I mean that I was initially pissed off and frustrated How and the money and my license, 150 something dollars. That's all? Oh, you yeah. got off easy. Do you have to do traffic school? I, w I would if, if I'm, if I have to, yeah, I'm not sure yet, <laughs> but I just, I, it was like, it just reminded me of what you were talking about looking yeah. before you step and, or not looking at your phone. Um, and I just took that as such a great reminder of what's really important here. I need to be paying attention. Not to mention one of the consequences <laughs> of not learning it. Yeah. Potentially, which Absolutely. you don't want to know. Absolutely. And so I was, you know, I didn't take too long to kind of become grateful in a way for things happening that way mm -hmm. instead of another way. Yes. Right. Um, and when I got here today, I had um, something that I didn't know was really kind of lingering. Um, I've never had death really close to my life. I mean, I've had a grandparent, a couple of grandparents pass away, but for whatever reason, it never hit me very hard. And this year, there's been two, two death tragedies that were not within my direct family, but were, um, just things that happen that to people who you would never, I don't know, for some reason you think that what's supposed to happen happens or there's a logic to it maybe, but it wasn't expected. It wasn't expected, and it happened to people who would just be the last people you would ever expect it to happen to. I'm sorry.
Grieving doesn't have a time frame. Okay. Not just you need to just let that come up whenever it comes up. Or however often or whenever. That's just how it works. I think ultimately I'm just really grateful that this space is here and I made it here today. I'm really glad you're here and thank you so much for coming up and sharing all that. Yeah. It's really good to see you. You too. You're my best to your wife. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's uh, just sit for a minute or two and then we'll wrap up for today. Okay. Okay, um, you know, stay cool and enjoy yourself and uh, lots of love to you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Happy trails. <laughs>